Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Our next guest is my go-to when it comes to bracketology. Resident expert at CBS Sports, Jerry Palm. He is the bracketology expert. Uh, All things college basketball, even college football. He's involved with all of that. His latest bracket is out this week. Oregon in. You have Washington State in the first four out. Jerry Palm joining us. Uh, How are you doing? How's your world right now? It's cold and icy here. Yeah. We just got above zero for the first time in the last three days. Uh, today, finally out above zero. Where are you? I right am now? in suburban Chicago, northwest okay. Indiana. So this happens every year. We get a little snow. We get a dusting of snow, or an inch here, or some freezing rain, and everybody freaks out. But we have, we have a lot of hills, okay? And we're not used to this, Jerry Palm. So when it happens, we <laughs> shut down. I, uh, I, I, I feel for you. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're a little more hardened against that sort of weather here. Hey, man, you are. You grow up in it, though. Like, you know, can you remember, like, yeah. as a kid, did you, was oh, yeah. it happy when it snowed? Like, what happens when it snowed? Um, yeah, because we got to play in it. So um, when I was really young, 1967, Chicago had a record snowfall of about 27 inches. And I've got pictures of me and my dad building this big snow arch. Um, which where we wrote 1967 at the top. So yeah, the snow was the snow was fun. I mean, you get to a point where you know you can't go anywhere, schools closed and all that. But uh, um, I don't mind it, uh, you know, or I would move because yeah. we get it. So. Yeah, you're still in it, by the way. Yeah, you're still in it. So you must be something about it. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit. Can I talk a little football? I want to ask you a little football before we go sure. on to onto the basketball bracket and what's happening in college basketball. We were debating earlier, you know, what will people be complaining about or how will the major conferences game the expanded playoff? What's on your mind as the bracket goes to 12? What kinds of things are people going to be bellyaching about, you know, a year from now? Well, I, well, first of all, I don't think gaming it is any different. Uh, you don't need to play anybody outside your league. Um, nobody really cares if you – if I don't think the committee – take strength of schedule seriously. So, you know, and if you're in the SEC and the Big Ten, you're going to get all the strength you need in your conference games, probably. So you don't really have to play anyone outside your league. So that's how you game it. Now people will still do that, uh, play good non-conference games because TV will put them together. Or, you know, sometimes you just like to do it. But um, the, the there's no need for it. Um, the the thing that people are going to complain about is that all the at-large bids are going to two conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. Uh, if they if there's more than one at-large bid to any other league, I'd be surprised. That's what people will complain about. Jerry Palm with us, bracketology, college football playoff expert. Let's turn to the bracket. Um, you and I talked earlier this week because Washington State had a really good week last week and knocking out Arizona and USC, helped themselves. You still have them in your first four out. And Kyle Smith, the coach there, he was delighted to hear that yesterday. Had him on the show, and he was really happy with that. But, um, you know, what does Washington State need to do? Just keep winning, I guess. 
Yeah. You know, the problem is the Pac-12 didn't pick up much in the way of quality non-conference wins. So now you have to try and do it in the league. But because you didn't do it in non-conference play, the opportunities for the higher quality non-conference wins aren't as numerous. Uh, The league has, and this fluctuates a little bit as teams move in and out, but currently eight non-conference quad one wins. Arizona has four of them. Utah has three. And Washington State's win, is it Washington or Washington State that beat Xavier? Washington. Washington. Beat Xavier. And Xavier, even though they're not really anywhere near the bracket, is still a quad one win for Washington. So, you know, that, you know, trying to get the higher quality wins, um, if you're not beating Arizona, if you're not beating Utah, you're probably not getting them. Now, Arizona's been cooperative lately because they've, uh, coughed up a couple. They, the loss at Stanford is particularly galling. Uh, the one at Washington State's not not so bad, but um, you know, giving up a hundred points to Stanford. I mean, there's just times where you know Arizona, which is a really good offensive team. Um, I got to see them when they came to Indy and played Purdue. You know, that's a that's a pretty good team, um, but their defense just you know occasionally takes a nap, uh, and st- giving up a hundred points to Stanford is one of those times, you know, I mean, Purdue got 92 and that's an elite offense. And so you, you know, fuss that too much and Florida Atlantic, I think got 96 and that's a pretty good offense too, that also goes to sleep once in a while. Um, but it's, you know, the hundred to Stanford that that's just can't happen. Um, but, and Stanford probably isn't good enough to take advantage of it. Although they've been better lately. Uh, but the, there's just no depth in the league. You get Arizona's the potential national champion, and Utah is a borderline top 25 team. And, you know, Oregon's in the bracket primarily because they're the conference leader. You've got a couple of teams that are close, but it doesn't look like the Pac-12 is going to be all that well represented this year. Um, obviously, it doesn't help that a couple of programs that are usually competing for spots uh, the L.A. schools, UCLA and USC, are having you know, down years, and UCLA is really down. question I keep getting from Oregon fans is, you know, they want to know why the Ducks are not ranked in the AP Top 25, and they want to know why they're not higher in the net rankings. And what do you tell them? That they don't have the eye-catching wins. They're not getting anyone's attention. Um, they've got a good record, um, but the, the rankings, you know, they're in the mid-50s of the net. Uh, in the um, and Ken Palm and those two rankings, in particular, pay almost no attention to margin or anything but margin of victory. So, and obviously, you can do a lot of sophisticated math stuff with just margin of victory. That's basically what gambling lines are based on, uh, at least initial lines are based on. So, um, and that's what Ken Palm is trying to do is predict point spreads. Well, if you're going to predict point spreads, you're going to use point spreads as the basis of your data, the net has a little bit of, of win-loss component in it, but it correlates very strongly to Ken Palm. So, you know, Oregon is in the mid-70s in average margin of victory. So it makes sense that the net and and um, Ken Palm would probably have them more in the 50s uh, because of the one-loss component, especially for the net. And um, the there's a couple of ranking systems on the team sheets that don't take margin of victory into account at all. And Oregon does better in those. They're in the mid-30s in those. So, you know, the 
but they're not doing well in the rankings because they it's the strength of schedule. They just don't have enough, you know, big wins to to lift them up uh, in in these rankings. They'll play Colorado tomorrow at Utah on Sunday, and then I'm looking ahead on the schedule. You know, it'll be January 27th. They will be home against Arizona. Gosh, it puts a lot of pressure on Dana Altman and the Ducks. They got to win that Arizona yeah. game. Yeah, I don't really think Oregon can afford to lose at home. To anybody, uh, Arizona, whoever. I, I think if, if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, they need to win their home games, see if they can steal something on the road. Do they get Utah at home? Because I know the schedules are unbalanced. I'm looking at it right now. They're at Utah, uh, and then they have Utah at home in their last game. Okay, so they get both Arizona and Utah at home. Um, you know, So those are their two best chances to get wins that are going to get the committee's attention, at least prior to the conference tournament. So I, you know, I think if, if Oregon's going to be an at-large team, they cannot afford to lose at home. And then, and they really can't afford to lose to too many of their road games, um, especially bottom half of the league teams. You know, you got to beat the teams on the road that can hurt you if you don't beat them. Stanford, Cal, UCLA, uh, Oregon State among them. Jerry Palm with us, CBS Sports yep. Bracketology expert. Uh, conference in general, you know, you, you see, you mentioned that LA schools are down. But do you see, like, Arizona looks really good at times, and you look at their players, they have good players, and they have some quality wins. But what do you see happening with the Wildcats on the court? Yeah, it's, well, I mean, look, that's that's the team that can win the championship. They're good, they've got good enough players, and they're well enough coached that they can win the whole thing. Uh, And they have shown that at times this season, that they are good enough to beat anybody on any given night. Um, but you know, and then they lost to Purdue and that, that, that there's no shame at all in that loss. Um, really the one it's the Stanford game, but when they have lost, it's, it's, they're giving up a ton of points you know, they're just not, the defense is not consistent enough for them to be a number one seed contender, but you don't have to have, you know, to win the NCAA tournament, you only have to have good, you know, defense for maybe four games. You know, they can probably get through the first couple without, you know, top-notch defense, and then you got to lock it down at least a little bit um, for those last four games if they're going to win the championship. Uh, so if they can do that, um, they can get better defensively, then Arizona is definitely going to be one of the favorites when we get to March. Jerry, um, you know, just kind of a tangential question. We're going to watch Washington State and Oregon State play this WCC schedule next season. Um, how does mm-hmm. their life change? Let's just assume Kyle uh, Smith's still at Washington State and they're still pretty good. And Wayne Tinkle and Oregon State, I would expect they'd do a little better maybe in the WCC. But how does their life and their quest to get into the NCAA tournament change playing a WCC schedule? Well, you probably have a better chance of winning the automatic bid than you do in the Pac-12. You know, in the Pac-12, you've there's going to be, you know, two or three, you know, elite level teams every year that you have to try and fight through. Now, in the West Coast, you normally have Gonzaga as one of those teams. They're a little bit down this year. Um, they're still pretty good, but they're not. They just fell out of the top 25 for the first time in what 16 years, something like that this week. Um, but they've got some good players still. I mean, that's a team that could still win that league. 
And then, you know, St. Mary's has been doing pretty well under Randy Bennett. And then every once in a while, somebody else pops up. Uh, this year, San Francisco looks pretty decent. Um, but the the level of competition in that league won't be what they're seeing in the Pac-12 in general, top to bottom. So they've got a better chance to win an automatic berth in that league. But they're still going to have to do, in, in a sense, you know, what Gonzaga and St. Mary's in particular try to do is schedule well outside the league so they have more opportunities for quality wins uh, to, to try and give themselves a shot at an at-large. Because if they don't schedule well and beat some of the teams that they'd be competing with for NCAA tournament spots in non-conference play, they're, they're going to be depending entirely on the automatic I'm looking at your bracket, and right now you've got you know Purdue, Kansas, Houston, UConn as your one seeds. Uh, is boy, UConn you know, looks good tonight, yeah. <laughs> right now as we speak. How, how murky is are those four ones to you? How clear are they? Is there a separation anywhere? Do you see you know four, five, eight teams? Where do you see the gaps? Um, I think we go. Let's say six maybe seven deep right now um, that are all perfectly capable of winning a national championship before that you just mentioned. And then North Carolina, who's playing fabulous right now, um, Arizona and Tennessee. And I mean, those are teams that are, that look like they're in this for the long haul. They're going to be near the top of the bracket. Most of them are going to win their conferences. They can't all because they're, they're, some of them are in the same conference, but you know those are teams that are going to be near the top of the bracket. And then you know we'll see what happens with some of these others. Um, I think Kentucky is an interesting team because they're really young, um, but very talented. And sometimes the youth shows up, but when they're playing well, they're going to be hard to beat. I think Memphis is intriguing as well. Um, that's an older team. It's got some transfers. Uh, and that they're just kind of flying under everybody's radar. I've got them, I think, as a three seed in my bracket, and they're 39th in the net um, because they don't win by a lot. Uh, but that's a team that's got uh, a really good tournament resume right now, and they've got some guys. They're going to be a tough out in the NCAA tournament, and it's an older team. Yeah, you mentioned older, and you know people were looking at Michigan – and Washington in the national championship game in the playoff, and they were looking at Texas and Alabama, and the comment was made that, gosh, those teams were old. They had experienced Mm -hmm. players, uh, certainly Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, all the experience he had. You see the same thing in... Michigan brought a lot of guys back that could have gone pro last year, and a lot of guys came back to chase a title. That used to be indicative of the mid-majors in the NCAA tournament, because you'd see fifth-year guys playing against yeah. one and duns. And so are you seeing more depth in that way? Like when you look at Purdue and Kansas and UConn and are Purdue's you seeing? An old team. Yeah. Yeah. Purdue, um, Purdue, well, Purdue's a little different. They don't really get the one and done guys. Um, the last closest thing they had to a one and done was Glenn Robinson, who could not do one and done because the rule was different back then. You had to, you couldn't come out until after three years of college. So, um, but you know, Caleb Swanigan left early, uh, but not after one year. Uh, Purdue rarely gets those guys. 
Um, they recruit to a culture, talented guys, but to a culture. And for the most part, those guys stick around. Um, Zach Eadie's a unicorn, um, 429th rated recruit when he came out of high school because he had only been playing basketball for two years at that point. Well, we're up to six now. Um, and uh, he, so he makes exponential you know, leaps every year. Uh, but for the most part, you know, Purdue's, Purdue's always an old team. They always have veteran guys. Um, but a lot of, you know, Kentucky, it's funny because Cal, you know, used to have, he'd bring in like all these five-star recruits every year and try and throw something together. And a lot of times it worked. And then sometimes it didn't. So then he tried to go, I think, more the transfer route and, and try and have some older guys. And then that wasn't really working. So now he's going back to youth. Um, and this year it seems to be paying off a little bit, but with youth, you always have to be patient and you're always, you know, churning your roster and with the transfer portal and the ability to do one and done in college basketball, you see a lot of roster churning going on in places like Purdue. You don't see that, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. And I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you're way too early. I guess you kind of are picking your final four, but you're way too early national Ooh. champion. Who is it? Um, oh, I really, really hate to say this, but I'm thinking Purdue. <laughs> and I hate to say team. it because I'm a Purdue guy. <laughs> I know, it's and your I just, team. I cannot wrap my head around <laughs> that concept. So it's Ooh. probably somebody else. And, you know, it would be probably somebody else anyway. But, oh, you know, they're not a dominant team, but they've got the dominant guy. And, I mean, Zach Eady, <laughs> see him last night. Yeah. You probably didn't watch a Purdue-Indiana game. Yeah. Uh, even though Purdue you covered both those schools for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I watch him all the time. He's diving on the floor with an 18-point lead in about a minute to go. <laughs> Just, yeah. Zach Eady yeah. is something else. Give me an idea. All right, so Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA come in in football and in basketball. You know, we've got just a couple minutes here, Jerry, but give me an idea. Can can those schools make a bigger impact in basketball, football? What do you see the big impact being? Um, I think it varies from school to school. Uh, UCLA may not make a big impact in football, but they should in basketball. They're not right now making much of an impact. Um, I, none of those schools are bad at either of those sports. Uh, Washington, obviously, an elite season um, and has had a, a bit of a good run lately, but there's going to be a lot of change there next year. Oregon is consistently good. Um, they'll probably Oregon and USC will probably have the biggest impact, at least immediately, in football uh, and in basketball. I mean, I would expect UCLA – um, and Oregon to to have more of an impact than maybe the other two, but that could vary. But I think that those four collectively will have more of an impact on football. Jerry Palm, you're the best. Stay warm there. Good luck to your boilers. Too late for me. Save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thanks. G- good stuff from Palm. He's above zero. <laughs> I love that. People in that region of the country, I got to tell you, they do get, I think they immerse themselves in basketball because they can't go outside because you freeze. You turn into an ice sculpture. Leave it here. Some parting thoughts coming up. Well, in hour one, we talked with Matt Zafino, the chief meteorologist at KGW, who uh, basically pointed out that it is not 
melting and thawing out as fast as he had hoped uh, and expecting some cooler temperatures overnight and some easterly uh, winds that will uh, have temperatures dropping again, not below freezing, but certainly delaying the thaw. And uh, there's an ice rink in in uh, in my neighborhood. It's right outside my house. And uh, the kids were uh, more or less skating around in their boots in the driveway area and in the front yard as uh, I watched them and said, come in, come in, you're going to fall. You shouldn't be out there. I sound like my parents. Um, but a uh, great interview with Zafino, who's also a University of Utah fan. And he pointed out that the streets in Salt Lake City are twice as wide as the streets in uh, most other cities. And Portland has one of the narrowest, narrowest streets in the downtown corridor. Salt Lake City has the widest. I mean, 220 feet of width in Salt Lake City, 60 feet of width in downtown Portland. Think about that, the difference in that. So Matt Zafino was great. And uh, grab that podcast if you want to uh, hear a fun interview that involves the weather and sports. Um, I want to thank Jerry Palm, CBS Sports Bracketology expert and resident Purdue fan. He is uh, a guy I met years ago, 25, 30 years ago, and really gave up his job. He was working in um, as a data analyst, and he, uh, you know, he would probably describe himself as a nerd. And as a hobby, he started trying to predict what the uh, rankings were going to do and what the selections committees were going to do, and found that he could accurately predict the BCS formula. And then he subsequently was hired by CBS Sports to become their bracketology expert on basketball and football. So he's turned his hobby, his passion, into a full-time job. So uh, Palm was great in the last segment. Pac-12's got a little bit of a problem in men's basketball in that the conference did not pick up a bunch of non-conference wins that um, are going to help those teams. But right now, as you look at sort of the uh, projections of the bracket, you see Oregon in, you see Arizona in, and you got teams like Colorado, Utah, Washington State that could all kind of play themselves in or out of the tournament, depending on how you look at it. UCLA's been a non-factor. They're a disaster. Mick Cronin throwing his players under the bus after every game, losing badly, um, just a bad look. USC has been disappointing. I'm really kind of perplexed what happened there. Andy Enfield, I thought he was a really good coach. He gets Bronny James and just doesn't seem to be working. And I keep looking at their box scores, too, and going, like, you know, how is the sum of this not adding up to enough points to win? And USC's kind of a mystery this season. Washington's been better. Um, you know, and then Stanford on a given night plays really well, then doesn't play well. And Cal, of course, is better than they were a year ago when they won only three games. So this conference is not great, but has a chance if you can get Arizona, Oregon, potentially Utah and or Colorado, potentially Washington State. Don't count Arizona State and Bobby Hurley out. You know, people are not sold on them yet, but he's got a good – he doesn't have a bad team. And so it's that group right there when you kind of look at potential tournament teams. And by the way, if you're an Oregon State or a Washington State fan, you have to be paying attention to that because guess what? The NCAA tournament units – are going to belong to the Cougars and the Beavers moving forward. So Arizona playing deep into the tournament, good for Oregon State, Washington State. Oregon making the tournament, good for Oregon State, Washington State. If you can get additional teams that get in, not only get in the tournament, but can win a game or two, 
can you get three to the Sweet 16? You know, you know, Pac-12 well represented in some years, getting three teams into the Sweet 16 or two into the Elite Eight or three into the Elite Eight. Those are good years that generate a whole bunch of NCAA tournament units. And so even though Oregon State and Wayne Tinkler are kind of sitting back on, hey, not our year, trying to build for something for the future. Oregon State certainly has a decent record but has not played uh, in a bunch of teams. And the loss at home to Stanford on Thursday of last week, not a not a good loss. But Oregon State going to Utah tomorrow night and Colorado on Saturday. But, you know, Oregon State can still be looking around going, hey, we uh, we could still win here if Oregon, Arizona, Washington State, you know, Colorado, Utah get in the tournament bracket. Oregon State and Washington State both win. Uh, Stephen, did I ask the right questions to Jerry Palm? I just kind of, you know, the stuff that's on my mind or the stuff readers reach out to me and say, hey, can you ask, you know, why is Oregon not ranked? They have all these wins. They're not in the top 25. Did I ask the right questions? Yeah, I think you did. I think you covered a lot of the Pac-12. I think you also covered the fact that how how different it's going to be next season for teams going to the Big Ten. Um, I think that's important. You know, you look at, we know football. We've talked about that to death, but we haven't really talked about the basketball side as well, how they fit in the Big Ten, because the Big Ten basketball conference is really good as well. So I thought you did. A, I thought you hit all the, uh, all the important points for the Pac-12 uh, type of questions for this season and uh, the Big Ten for next season. Yeah, and I think if you are an Oregon fan, we get we get consumed with talking about football. There's a basketball element to this, and of course the Olympic sports that I think will become a storyline as these teams all move to the Big Ten Conference. All right, grab a podcast to this radio show, listen to the interviews, share them liberally. It's free. Why wouldn't you do it? Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. And we're back tomorrow with another great show. The Bald Face Truth, not here for a long time. Just a good time. Stay safe, everybody. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.